Those words of that song, praise the Lord, his mercy is more stronger than darkness, new every morn, our sins they are many, his mercy is more. There's something powerful to me in those words, and I, I looked in and tried to see where did the writers of this song get those words from. I, I found out that the writers found inspiration for these words in the writings of John Newton. Newton was a slave ship owner in the 1700s who later became an abolitionist. You all are familiar with his most well-known work, Amazing Grace. He wrote Amazing Grace, and in about 1760, he wrote this. He said, are you not amazed sometimes that you should have so much as a hope that poor and needy as you are, the Lord thinketh of you? But let not all you feel discourage you, for if our physician is almighty, our disease cannot be desperate, and if he casts none out that come to him, why should you fear? Our sins are many, but his mercies are more. Our sins are great, but his righteousness is greater. We are weak, but he is power. Most of our complaints are owing to unbelief and the remainder of a legal spirit, and these evils are not removed in a day. These words of John Newton, again, written more than 250 years ago, they, they speak of this continued transformation, a transformation and a faith that transforms, a transformation of a, of a place of blinded disbelief, a place of an inability to see and experience God for who God is, and an inability to allow ourselves to be transformed by Christ. Again, it's a, it's a transformation and a journey that's ongoing. All these evils, Newton writes, these things that seem to keep us from God, they're not removed in a day. This is a declaration of faith. It's a, a declaration of the journey, a declaration, a confession, a testament of faith that depends less on our ability to believe and more on God's mercy and God's grace. Those words again that the band sang, praise the Lord, his mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn, our sins they are many, his mercy is more. We're winding our way down through Mark's gospel as year B of the lectionary comes to a close at the end of next month. Our, our uh, liturgical year begins again uh, the first, actually the last week of November, which is the first Sunday of Advent. And our gospel lesson this morning comes right before Jesus and his disciples are going to go from Jericho into Jerusalem. The very next reading, if you look at it in your Bible, is the Palm Sunday reading. So this is the last scene, the last interaction with people that Jesus is having before the events of Holy Week. And I mentioned this a little bit last week, but when, what we're seeing here in Mark's gospel is like a, a continuing journey, not unlike Newton's journey as he describes it, and not like the journey that many of us have experienced. Mark is teaching and writing by showing us, by showing us. The very first verse of Mark's gospel says that it is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
it sets the stage. That verse right there sets the stage and says, this is what I'm going to do with this book, this gospel. Gospel means good news. I'm going to show you who Jesus is and who Jesus was. And throughout Mark, the writer is seeking to introduce us to Jesus. And he's doing that by introducing Jesus through his interactions with other people. People in many ways like us, people who have needs, people who are uneasy, people who are lost, people who are successful and people who can't ever seem to get a break, people who are sick and well and rich and poor, and most of all, though, people with questions and people struggling through life's challenges. Again, challenges that are remarkably similar to yours and mine. And in the midst of their lives, they have these encounters with Jesus, and we see different reactions and responses. What becomes clear, though, in all of them is that the presence of Jesus in the lives of people is a presence that is intended not only to bring people to faith, but to transform them, to to bring about change in them so that they might bring that good news of God into the world around them. Our gospel text this morning introduces us to a man who is known as the blind beggar Bartimaeus. The blind beggar Bartimaeus is what we'd expect him to be doing when we meet him. He's being blind, obviously, right? And he's in the street begging. And his name is Bartimaeus. If you break that up into Bar and Timaeus, it means that he is the son of Timaeus. That's what the Bar prefix means. And it's interesting here that he has a name, Bartimaeus isn't someone we're going to see anywhere else in the Bible. He's he's not someone we should even know, and we actually don't know much of anything about him. But even more interestingly, most of the time, especially in Mark's gospel, when Jesus heals someone, their name isn't shared. There's, There's no mention of it at all. And yet this man has a name. In fact, when Mark, I mean, uh, Matthew and Luke wrote their Gospels and they used Mark as their primary source, they dropped the name completely. They didn't even include it. And so here's this man, the son of Timaeus, in the street begging. Now, he's been doing this for a while and he's presumably an expert at asking for what he wants. In fact, that's what he spends his day doing all day long, right? He would, he would have to have been keenly aware of his surroundings, knowing who was coming and going, when are the best times to be there to catch them so that he could know how and when to seek what he needed. And Jesus and his disciples are passing through Jericho. They're on their, on their way out of town, it says, and they've got this large crowd And he must have been sensing the commotion of of Jesus and his crowd and asking, who is it? Who is it? Who's coming? What is this? What's going on? And the gospel tells us that Bartimaeus finds out that it's Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. He knows something about Jesus. By this time in Jesus' ministry, word of the miracles is spreading throughout the land. Word of the miracles, but not necessarily word of the identity. And yet, and yet, this man, this is what he says. Bartimaeus, bold as ever, he shouts to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David. This is one of the first times in Mark's gospel that there is a declaration about the identity of Jesus as being more than just a healer or a a magician or someone who can help. He says, he knows that it's Jesus of Nazareth, and he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
But the crowd around doesn't, doesn't really get it. They still don't know who he is, and, and they're probably used to his begging, right? They know that's, oh, that's Bartimaeus on the street. We got we to gotta keep him away from Jesus. And so they, they, they try to silence him. But unrelentingly, he continues, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And Jesus hears these cries from the man. Remember, they're going through the street. And Jesus hears the cries, and the text says he stopped. He stood still. And he told the crowd, bring him to me. So Bartimaeus hears this. Bartimaeus jumps up. He throws off his cloak, and he comes to Jesus. And Jesus asks Bartimaeus, what do you want? I love this part of the story. We don't often ask beggars what they want. Beggars are very good at telling us what they want. A beggar knows exactly what they want, and they usually have no problem telling you. And the people have known what Bartimaeus has been begging for. But Bartimaeus, though, somehow recognizing that Jesus can give him far more than the paltry coins that he usually begs for, simply says, Rabbi, teacher, again, by the way, declaring who Jesus was, right? Not just healer, rabbi, an intimate word of teacher, rabbi, teacher, let me see again. And in that instance, Jesus, in one motion, breaks Bartimaeus from his bondage of blindness and releases this beggar of any obligation to him. Jesus says, go. You're healed. Your faith has made you well. Go. Be on your way. You don't owe me anything. Go. Healed. Go. Forgiven. Go. But Bartimaeus doesn't go. Instead of leaving, Bartimaeus follows Jesus. What happens next? We don't hear from the blind beggar Bartimaeus ever again in the gospel, in other texts, in any histories. We don't know. But I want to know. What happens next? What happens next for this man who encountered Jesus in such a transforming and direct way? Our story of Bartimaeus, it's, it's not like the cliffhanger at the end of a television episode, you know, where we'll get the rest of the story maybe next week or, or if we really have to wait, right, next season. No, this is more like that end of a television series when, when it's done, where we're left to imagine, yeah, what is going to happen after the fade to black, a scene that we'll never see. There's no more episodes in the Bartimaeus show. What happens next? We know what happens next for Jesus and his disciples. We know that Jesus will soon be betrayed, arrested, tortured, convicted, and killed. We know that the disciples will flee and scatter. We know that women will tend to Jesus' body and learn of his resurrection. And we know that the resurrected Jesus will return to his disciples, gather them, and send them out into the world. But what about this man, this man who was transformed by Jesus, so transformed by Jesus that two-thirds of his alliterated name no longer fits him. He isn't the blind beggar Bartimaeus anymore. He's now the bold believer Bartimaeus, who's been set free, healed, 
after his encounter with Jesus. Go, your faith has made you well. But we know he didn't go. He followed Jesus, and we get to imagine the rest of the story. Maybe the best way to imagine the rest of the story is to wonder how we would be transformed if we encountered Jesus in this way, like the bold believer Bartimaeus. What would it look like for us to be so fully and wholly impacted by Jesus that our lives would be lived in a way that reflected what he had done for us? What, what would it look like for us to be transformed by God's grace, allowing us, allowing God to take hold of us and work with, in, and through us? What, what would it look like for us to, to be so overcome with joy that freed from the bondage of those things that drag us down, we could spring up, spring up like that man and look into the eyes of Jesus and answer that question, that question that he asks the man and asks us, what do you want me to do for you? And answer that question with an invitation for God to shower us with God's mercy. You see, the the transformation of the blind beggar Bartimaeus into the bold believer Bartimaeus was the direct result of Christ standing still, And hearing and seeing this man, despite all the efforts of that crowd and the world around him to keep him away, despite the world telling him that he wasn't worthy of God's attention and much less God's grace, despite all of the doubts that he must have had about his own self-worth sitting there on the side of the road, despite all the voices in his head and all the voices around him that told him that he was beyond the reach of grace. Despite all this, he boldly sought the presence of God. Driven by faith, a faith that seemed to elude even the disciples, the disciples who at this point in Mark's gospel still weren't quite comprehending who Jesus was. Driven by faith, and perhaps even just a little bit of faith, that, that kind of faith that certainly isn't certain, but the kind of faith upon which we're willing to take a little risk. Driven by faith, Bartimaeus shouted out to Jesus. He shouted above all those other voices. He shouted when he was told to be quiet. He shouted. He knew what he wanted, and he shouted. He would not be silenced. He shouted. On the cross, Christ did for us what he did for Bartimaeus. He changed the rules. He conquered death. He declared us freed from the bondage of sin. But one of the great mysteries of living in Christ is the confusing reality that while God redeemed the world at the empty tomb with the resurrection of Jesus, our lives are still complicated. They're complicated by by the pains of sorrow, death, misunderstandings, Broken relationships, sickness, anxiety, depression, grief, the list goes on. But Christ's resurrection power, Christ's healing power, is the power to transform us into people who can experience God more deeply in our lives when we allow ourselves to encounter Christ, even in the midst of all that we carry. 
And in doing so, in encountering Christ in our, our, our pain, in our sorrow, in our confusion, in our wonder, encountering God in those times enables us, enables us to be ready to answer God's question, Christ's question to Bartimaeus, what do you want? And friends, in our transformation, our ongoing transformation that Newton writes doesn't fully happen in one day, we have the opportunity to live out our own what's next, to be transformed like the blind beggar Bartimaeus, and then to have the choice to be like the bold believer Bartimaeus and follow the Christ. And in all of this, though, it is Christ who is doing the work, drawing us in. This is mercy. This is what it means to allow Christ to work in us. Brother Jeffrey Tristam puts it this way. He writes, It is Jesus who will change us, not we ourselves. It is the work of grace. Our work is to deepen our relationship with Jesus so that we can allow him mysteriously and wonderfully to change us. To allow Christ to mysteriously and wonderfully change us. To allow Christ in his mercy and through his grace to change us alongside one another. I think often about that bold believer Bartimaeus and what happens next. What happened to him after? What were the stories like that he told? How did he look when he told people about what Jesus had done for him? What happened after he followed with Jesus, presumably to Jerusalem, and maybe even to the foot of the cross? How did his faith sustain him there and hopefully to the empty tomb? And, and what happened to that crowd that crowd that tried to keep him away. Remember, they tried to keep him away from Jesus. But then that crowd that was used by Jesus to bring the man to Jesus, that crowd had to have been transformed as well. They saw this happen. They saw the faith and the boldness of this one they had rejected, this one they had tried to keep away from Jesus, and, and seeing what Jesus did, it must have transformed them. They must have had stories to tell. And like so many others who encountered Jesus in Scripture, I wonder if these people, having been transformed, I wonder if they struggled, if they struggled to understand what it meant to live in this world still experiencing all of the pain and sorrow and struggles, the challenges of the world, but drawing near to God in the midst of it. I wonder if they were surrounded by others telling their stories of God's mercy, sharing their struggles and sharing their glimpses of God, their moments of truth. I wonder if they had others to be encouraged by and to encourage and I wonder how they praised God even in the midst of their struggles and their uncertainty. I wonder how they continued to reach out to God to answer God's question, what do you want me to do for you? I wonder. You know, there's an interesting thing about that name of that man, Bar Timaeus. Remember son of Timaeus? It's a strange word, Timaeus. 
In Aramaic, that was the cultural language of the, of the people at the time of Jesus. In Aramaic, the word means unclean. And in a terribly sad reality of the first century culture, blindness and other disabilities, they were seen as a sign of being unclean, of, of having been born of sin. But Timaeus, that same word, that same word that means unclean in Aramaic, in Greek, it means highly prized. Friends, we follow a God. We follow a God who looks at us even when the world around us or, or even when our eyes might see ourselves as unclean. We follow a God who looks at us, who looks at you and says, you, you are highly prized. You are highly prized. You are worthy of my grace. You are worthy of my mercy, my love. No longer called unclean. No longer. You are highly prized. Just as you are. May we be transformed by that radical love of the one who is worthy of our praise. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.